for Wednesday, April 1st, 2020. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, as Georgia hospitals prepare for a potential surge of patients with the coronavirus, one hospital official says he worries about not having the capacity to help them all. We're in healthcare because we want to help other people get better. And if you're ever put in a situation where you might not be able to do that, it hurts. Scott Hill, CEO of Piedmont Columbus Regional Hospital and COO of the entire Piedmont Health System, on how they're preparing for that surge and the others that could come. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. There are lots of different models that predict when COVID-19 patients will flow into hospitals, potentially overwhelming them. That's what the folks at Piedmont Healthcare are trying to prepare for and head off. Scott Hill is the chief operating officer of the system and the chief executive officer of Piedmont's Columbus Hospital. He joins me now for more. Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. I'm glad to do it. Tell me first what the situation looks like for y'all out in Columbus. And I'm thinking just about maybe run me through some some of the numbers. How many COVID patients have you seen? Um, how many beds do you have filled with those kinds of patients? Those Those kinds of things. Paint that picture for me. We're probably just a little bit behind other areas of the state as far as disease prevalence state right now in in the Columbus area, though we do believe, and and it's really naive to believe otherwise, that um, a surge isn't coming. We we do feel like, as we've seen a growth rate, um, we started off, frankly, kind of slow, but we have ramped up over time. Um, We're working really hard, um, both here in, in Columbus and across our system right now, um, to make sure we're, we're prepared for what's to come. And, and that's an important thing as an organization um, locally and across our healthcare system, because we have had other hospitals in other parts of the state, um, particularly our, our Piedmont Fayette Hospital, Piedmont Henry Hospital, and our Piedmont Noonan Hospital. All three of those entities have seen a much more advanced uh, rate of the disease state than other areas of the Piedmont system. Talk to me a little bit about what those preparations look like specifically for your Columbus Hospital. So for the Columbus Hospital, what we've been trying to do is to work diligently to create the capacity that we think we might need for these patients as we continue to see 
the COVID disease state grow. So we've identified space and looking at staff and looking at how we create competency amongst our staff that, you know, we may have nurses that work in other areas of the organization that aren't in patient care type roles anymore, or even in different types of patient care roles where we can create competency to be assistive to the care the care providers that are on the front lines. And so there's a lot of mobilization effort going on in the Columbus community. Um, and we've even done things like identified different spaces. We actually have a 100-bed hospital that's in the northern part of Columbus um, that is also prepared to receive patients. How do you even know really what to prepare for? Are you looking, say, at what's happening in other parts of the state? Are there any particular models that you're looking at that you're using to say, this is what we can expect and when we should expect it? We're looking at the experience nationwide uh, first, um, and then we're applying that experience on a statewide level within Piedmont. We do have some models that we've created for our own health system based on actual experience, but using some of the national models that have social distancing components and some other things in them. Uh, to help us look at where we are on our own curve based on our actual experience. Um, and like I mentioned, the, the Fayette, Henry, and Noonan hospitals, they were early on, they had a number of these patients, and we've seen it grow across our system right now. Every single one of our hospitals has treated at least one or more COVID-positive patients. And so everybody has their own curve, but we also look at it on a system level also. And right now we're forecasting all the way into May just to make sure that we're prepared. And, you know, we kind of hope and pray that we don't get that far. Um, but at the end of the day, we need to be prepared to forecast for as long as we need to. I think it's safe to say that that many of, of the models do assume a point at which the healthcare system nationwide or maybe even state by state is is going to reach capacity and then exceed it to care for coronavirus patients. When does that happen for for Piedmont and what does that situation look like when it does? All of our organizations plan and, and we have emergency plans for a, a number of things. And so our emergency operations plans that we have by facility, um, most of them, if not all, I believe all, frankly, have space that they identify that you can expand into. And so that's one of the things that we're looking at is our model and its forecast of how many treatment spaces we might need, how many ventilators we might need, and the equipment that we might need and the people that run that equipment um, to forecast across that number of weeks. And so that capacity constraint will ultimately reveal itself in the model over a period of time. How short on space, staff, ventilators, all these resources could y'all potentially be in, in the worst case scenario projections? I think in the out weeks right now, recognizing that nobody knows for sure when the, the peak or the surge is going to occur in the out weeks, it gets challenging. I, I'll just be very honest with you. Um, but I, but right now we feel prepared um, and we feel like we're in a position to, to meet the surge. But again, not recognizing how long the disease state may go on and, and the care of those patients could potentially go on. It's, it's a challenge. And, I, and I'm not going to tell you that it doesn't get tight and it won't be challenging in the out weeks from now. But that being said, we, we feel really well prepared um, in the coming weeks to meet the demand. 
we think about this current peak. This is the people who are maybe getting infected with this virus, showing up in hospitals the first round. There's been lots of conversation about second, third peaks coming later in the year, early into next year. How do y'all plan for those? Are those on your radar? Well, they're they're on the radar, certainly. Um, but, you know, we've got right now we've got patients sick in our hospitals and we want to make sure we're meeting the need right now. But we do have an eye on the future. And, you know, that's concerning. Um, but we've got a lot of resources that we can bring to bear on this disease state um, across the state of Georgia. And even if you look at where we are in Columbus, we're touching patients that live in Alabama. And so it's an opportunity for us to, to continue to make sure we're meeting the need now. But we're certainly paying attention to what the government's saying and the possibilities of these other waves coming through. Um, and, you know, the emergency response preparedness is going to be critical, I think, probably going forward for some period period of time. My understanding is that Piedmont, like a number of other hospitals, has rolled down on elective procedures in a a kind of preemptive way to prepare for for a surge. Those elective procedures, though, are also, um, you know, support hospital operations financially. What does y'all's financial picture look like at this point? And and long term, rolling back on elective procedures, what what does that mean for y'all's operations? to say, you know, as we roll back those things, it's not going to be a challenge, you know, is to be dishonest. And it is going to be a challenge for us. And fortunately, Piedmont as, as a health system is is very healthy financially. Um, and we believe we can we can weather the storm. And we've got our, our finance folks are as deeply engaged in this response as our operational folks and have offered a ton of support and a ton of resources to make sure that we can meet the needs. So, you know, I'm not going to tell you it's not going to be a challenge, but I think that you kind of plan for rainy days. And it's one of those times where it's raining. I'm also wondering about uh, procedures that maybe are not considered purely elective, something like a preventative measure, like a like a colonoscopy. How are y'all advising people on things that might be important but not necessary, medical procedures that might be needed but not urgently? That's actually a really a, a really great question because the elective procedure um, that's purely elective now could become semi-urgent or urgent or even emergent over time. So we have a process in place at all of our organizations to look at just that. And we're working with our physicians on an individual basis to, to have that conversation, to make sure that we can meet the, the care needs of our patients, recognizing that, you know, something that, again, you know, today, purely elective, but in two weeks, you know, we get into a situation where you're starting to have a conversation about if, if, hey, if I don't get this done, there could be a long-term effect. And so we have committees of physicians working across all of our organizations right now that are helping guide that conversation so that we don't let something that could potentially have a long-term effect go untreated. And just finally, you know, this is uh, going to challenge a lot of people in a lot of different ways. What, what has you most concerned about this kind of situation that we're maybe just now stepping into? You know, I, I think for me and for every person working in healthcare right now, probably the, the biggest concern we have is making sure that we can meet the need. And when you potentially might get to that point where you can't meet the need, that will be very difficult for everybody involved. And from our perspective, that's that's the thing that I, I think most people who are inside of the industry and called to this work lose sleep about. And I have those very similar concerns. You know, we all have families. We all have a personal life. 
Um, but at the end of the day, we're in healthcare because we want to help other people get better. And if you're ever put in a situation where you might not be able to do that, it hurts. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. You can reach us at washyourhands@wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. The world is full of mysteries. Are ghosts real? Is that yogurt expired? Hey, the unknown can be scary. But when you donate to WABE, you know where your money is going. Your gift supports the journalism that keeps you informed and the programs that pull back the curtain on complicated stories. Help us make the world less mysterious. Become a member now. Go online to wabe.org donate. And thanks.